Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. We're on episode 161, Who Does the Pursuit of Revenge Harm? It was kind of fun whenever I was putting together the graphic for this week. I realized that I had gone from season three to season four and hadn't even realized it. It's like it just flows at this point. I go from one episode to the other and I don't even catch when there's a big momentous occasion. But it was right at three years ago that this podcast started. Birthed out of a desire from my toenails to do what God was telling me despite how it didn't make any earthly sense. The fact that I did not have money to even pay the base costs on Podbean, which is what I use as my hosting platform. And here we are, 161 episodes into this journey. The name has changed. The first, I don't know, maybe a hundred episodes, something to that effect was a country girl in the city world loving Jesus. And I am still that, that person. But as the journey continued, I realized that I spent my time encouraging others and loving Jesus. And that is where the name is. And that's where the name I assume is going to continue until the Lord takes me home or the rapture. Uh, whichever that might be. We have been walking, so we started in the book of Joshua back in the day, still one of my favorite books. I would love for you to go back. The hidden episodes, there's a link in the show notes down at the bottom because it's really kind of hard to find those very rough, very uh, raw first episodes, but you can find them at Podbean and that link is in the show notes. We did the book of Joshua. We did the book of Judges. Oh my goodness, how messy that was. We did the book of Ruth, which is not messy. It is just, it's the gospel in the Old Testament. It is just the story of redemption. And then now we've spent the last year or so in the Samuels. First Samuel, and now we're in second Samuel chapter three. We've walked along with David for a long time, David on the run, David getting into a little bit of prominence where he is now the king of Judah. We talked last week about power blindness, and I would love for you to go back and listen to that particular episode. I continue to think about it as I go along. But this week, we we look at the second part of a story that we saw a couple of weeks ago. So the original part of the story, we, we were talking about the fact that sometimes we just run headlong into danger and not the type where God says, I want you to storm hell's gates and you go and do. No, I mean, the story was about Asahel, this young man, who, for whatever reason, I mean, he was swift, which that's okay, but his swiftness, he just kind of seemed to lose his mind, and he went after 
the commander of the forces of Israel. And Abner, the commander, told him, like, get away from you. I don't want to kill you. How could I ever face your brother Joab again? And so Joab was the leader of David's army for Judah, and Abner was the leader of Israel's army in the northern territories, the northern, that all of those northern tribes. And Abner tried repeatedly to get Asahel to just stay back. And instead, Asahel kept coming and Abner killed him. And we talked about how that we sometimes, we will see stop signs. We will see flashing yellow lights and we will keep going headlong into danger. But I told you when we finished that episode, I said, this is going to come back to us. So you've got Abner, who killed Asahel because Asahel, young and just foolish, for lack of a better way to put it, because he just, he had no reason to go after Abner, and yet he did go after him and was so outmatched, and Abner killed him. And Joab learns of this, of course. And so, last week we talked about power and with Abner, and with David. And then this week, we talk about revenge. So, is there anyone in your life that you find yourself wishing revenge upon. It could be someone who is currently in your life. It could be someone who was in your life as a child. But is there someone that when you think of their name, you immediately wish harm on them or you are truly plotting revenge? As followers of Christ, this should not be. Like, there's just no doubt about it. But it does happen. It definitely happens in the world. So one of my favorite movies of all time is The Count of Monte Cristo. The remake came out in 2002, and it starred Jim Caviezel. Now, that name might sound familiar to some of you. He played Jesus in Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ. But in The Count of Monte Cristo, he plays Edmond Dantes. And Edmond Dantes is a person who has a very strong work ethic, does mostly right. I won't say everything right because he doesn't. Has a best friend that the two of them stick together. They've got each other's back or so he thinks. His friend is rich, has the connections. And Edmund does not. But this friend 
is jealous of Edmund. He's jealous because Edmund has the girl. He's jealous because Edmund is successful in his own right. Right at, so I I went back and watched a good portion of it. Just remind myself of the facts as to why this guy so hated him. He hated him mainly because he had the girl. And then also he had just been named captain, which meant he really was going to get the girl and be able to marry her. And so his so-called friend sets him up and he is severely punished and he's held in this place called Chateau Deef and he is tortured every year. He's in, in solitary confinement and every year on the anniversary of going there, he's beaten, literally beaten. And he, when he goes in, he he has a belief in God. He's strong in his belief in God. He talks about God to his captors. But as the years go on and he doesn't see any relief and he doesn't see any way out, he he has no thought of God, not any love of God anymore. And oddly enough, in another part of the cell, he doesn't know this, until all of a sudden a head pops up. And this guy has been trying to dig his way out. He was a priest and he had been trying to dig his way out. And instead of digging his way out, he dug himself into Edmund's part. So the two of them start talking. And the priest, even though he isn't the godliest of men, he definitely has a belief in God. And he trains Edmund. So Edmund cannot read uh, when he goes into this prison. And this priest, for whatever reason, has books and, and, and is very learned. So he teaches Edmund. And Edmund, number one, wants to learn to read. But number two, Edmund, at one point, he, he wants to commit suicide. He attempts to because he just doesn't see any reason to keep living. And then he sees a reason to keep living because he wants revenge on his former friend and he'll do anything to get out and get that revenge. And him and the old man are digging and there's this small avalanche kind of not avalanche. Uh, would that be it? It comes crashing down on him. It's not avalanche, but you get the picture. And so the priest is dying and Edmund is talking to him and the priest is using his final words to try to teach Edmund. And he says, here is your final lesson. Do not the, commit the crime for which you now serve the sentence. He was in there for murder. He was in there. It, it was trumped up charges. He hadn't done anything. And So do not commit the crime for which you now serve the sentence. God said, vengeance is mine. Edmund Dantes says, I don't believe in God. And the priest says, it doesn't matter. He believes in you. And that 
sinks in to some degree into Edmund. Edmund manages to escape. He is out and he plots and he plans and he plots and he plans and he becomes the Count of Monte Cristo and he has so transformed himself that his former friend doesn't realize who he is. And he continues his plot of revenge. He doesn't want to just kill his former friend. He wants to make the man suffer as he has suffered for all these years. And so the entire movie is about revenge. I'm, I'm just, my heart hurts. Not because of a fictional movie, but because there are people that if we were to put their life up on the big screen, even believers, even followers of Christ, if you were to pull one major theme, it would either be hatred and or revenge. They've spent their entire life holding on to something, holding on to a grudge against someone, or literally plotting the revenge of another. How this has to hurt the heart of God. We have but one life to live. One. Why in the world would we waste one moment on seeking revenge, plotting revenge? That does not mean that we are not going to experience deep pain at the actions of others. We may very well, like Edmund Dantes' character, we may very well experience rejection. We may experience having our back stabbed possibly again and again and again. But what do we do? How do we live in this fallen world and not fall into the trap of spending time seeking revenge? Our story for this week comes from 2 Samuel 3, 22 through 30. And Asahel died at the hands of Abner. Abner felt he had no choice. Joab is one of Asahel's brothers. And Joab, even though it doesn't say it in the text, you have to believe that he was looking for an opportunity to kill Abner. So Abner... Last week, we were talking about Abner and David, and they became all chummy-chummy. So remember, Abner is the commander of the armies of the tribes of Israel, for which David is not king yet. And Abner gets angry at Ishbosheth because Ishbosheth, son of Saul, claims that Abner did something, which he may or may not have done. We don't know for sure. But Abner's not happy and Abner decides to go and hang out with David and make chums with him and say, hey, I'm going to turn all of Israel to you and you can be king of everybody. We were talking about all the power that 
was being tossed around. Uh, Abner thinking that he was in control of the world, that he could literally hand the tribes of Israel to David. And I mentioned to you, Abner thinks he's in control, but he's going to learn next week that he truly isn't. And so Abner is leaving King David. And we pick up in verse 22, but just after David had sent Abner away in safety, Joab and some of David's troops returned from a raid, bringing much plunder with them. When Joab arrived, he was told that Abner had just been there visiting the king and had been sent away in safety. Joab rushed to the king and demanded, what have you done? What do you mean by letting Abner get away? Remember, Abner is the commander of, it's hard to say, I hate to say enemy, but sadly, the Israelites and the tribe of Judah had been fighting amongst themselves. And so he is the commander of some of the enemy troops, even though they are cousins to each other. It says, you know perfectly well that he came to spy on you and find out everything you're doing. Joab then left David and sent messengers to catch up with Abner, asking him to return. They found him at the well of Sirah and brought him back, though David knew nothing about it. When Abner arrived at Hebron, Joab took him aside at the gateway as if to speak with him privately. But then he stabbed Abner in the stomach, killing him in revenge for killing his brother Asahel. When David heard about it, he declared, I vow by the Lord that I and my kingdom are forever innocent of this crime against Abner, son of Ner. Joab and his family are the guilty ones. May the family of Joab be cursed in every generation with a man who has open sores or leprosy or walks on crutches or dies by the sword or begs for food. So Joab and his brother Abishai killed Abner because Abner had killed their brother Asahel at the battle of Gibeon. Hurts my heart. Now, I have no idea if Joab was a God follower. We know that David is. Not that David always makes the best decisions. But Joab is the commander of the army of Judah. But revenge. He was plotting. When he got his opportunity, he took it. And he killed the man who killed his brother. Our weekly assignment feature is, how has your life been impacted by someone's pursuit of revenge? And I intentionally worded it in the way that I did because that someone might be you. (laughs) You may be the one that has been plotting revenge and it has eaten you, like eaten you alive. Or it may be that you have a loved one that has such bitterness towards someone else that if they could, they would take revenge. It wouldn't necessarily be to kill them, but they wish them harm. And that has hurt you because that has stolen your loved one from you because they can't focus on good because they're always preoccupied with another. It may be that someone has before or is currently seeking revenge on you. As I say each of these, it causes me to think about people in my own life 
I, I have somebody who I love dearly, but they were wronged by someone that they trusted. And as a result, they, they grew this deep bitterness in their heart. They happened to be neighbors with the person who did the deed. And they would just stand and stare, just watch the person all the time being eaten inside at their hatred toward the other person. And not only did that hatred and that possible pursuit of revenge, at least mentally, harm that person, it really didn't harm the object in this particular case. It harmed the person who was holding the hatred and it harmed everybody who loved the person, every last person. That was probably 30 years ago. And as it came to my mind just then, it still hurts. It hurts to even think about just how much of my loved one's life that was stolen because of that ball of hatred that they not only held on to, but stoked by watching and watching and watching. I know of someone who made a choice, different story, but made a choice. And it led to the death of another. It was an accident. There's not a question about whether it was an accident. But the loved one of that person who died hated the person who made the choice. The innocent choice that led to this person's death. They hated him so much that they took out a hate website. And the number of things that they did in order to seek revenge. I have no idea now because that was 15 years ago when I heard that story. But, oh my. How many people were harmed by that? You know, because the title of this week is Who Does the Pursuit of Revenge Harms? It harms way more people than the the person who's plotting and the person who may get the revenge sought on them. Like in this case, obviously, Abner died. But so many people, they really don't end up taking revenge. They just end up plotting revenge and they end up holding on to the hatred and harming everybody but the object of their hatred. 
or maybe they harm them as well with Facebook posts. You know, just the story, just the stories that are coming to mind of people and their venom that they have poured out because of their anger, taking revenge through ridiculous accusations on social media. Revenge can be taken in many ways besides by the physical sword. And it harms everyone in its path. So as Christ followers, it's not optional. Like, not at all. And the vengeance is mine. I think that's in the King James Version, and that was what was quoted by the priest. In the NLT, Romans 12, 19 says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. When Paul is saying to the church at Rome, never take revenge. You know, I kind of think that means never, doesn't it? And never plot revenge. Never allow yourself to be eaten alive by hatred. Because that's exactly what it does. It eats you. It eats your witness because anybody who comes around you and experiences the poison that is pouring out of you because of your thoughts of hatred, your words of hatred, your pursuit of revenge, and then you turn around and say, but Jesus loves you? Like, really? This does not work together. God just flashed me forward. I hadn't planned to share this, but I'm going to hop to another scripture very quick because it seems so appropriate that as we think about being a Christ follower, there are some things that just go beyond harming our witness, like can literally take out our witness. And hatred for another is definitely one of them. And what that hatred does to us and what that hatred does to all of those around us. So I'm flipping through the book of James. Because that's where I know this particular passage is. I just can't remember which chapter it's in. So I'm having to having to go through and find it. But if God is drawing me there because I hadn't thought about it at all, then it definitely is something that I need to look for. You know, as Christians, we are known by our fruit. And if what others see in us is not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, then how in the world do we think that we can point anyone to Christ? Because if we are eaten alive by vengeance, that we have no testimony. We have no, we can't point others to a good and faithful God when we are living in a constant state of sin by harboring the poisonous bitterness it destroys us and it harms every relationship we have. In James 3, James, the half-brother of Jesus, talks about the tongue. And that is one way that many people take revenge. There's no doubt about it. Talks about the fact that it's a tiny spark but can set a great forest on fire says in verse 6, And among all parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. 7. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. 9, 10, 11, and 12. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. So, let me ask you, if we were to squeeze you right now, what would come out? Would you ooze out love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness and self-control? Or would you ooze out hatred, filthy, Comments about others, poison. Dear God, in the name of Jesus, I know that I am sharing this particular podcast for at least one person. 
Dear God, I, I pray that you will soften that person's heart. Open up their spiritual eyes and ears. Dear God, help them to see that although they may have been wronged, they may have been wronged in a in an awful way. Satan has a stronghold in their heart. They are sinning against you by holding on to that hurt, possibly plotting revenge, even if it's not overtly that they're going to do something, but they wish harm on the other person. They aren't praying for the other person, as you've told us to pray for our enemies. What a huge difference it would make in our life and the lives of everyone we come in contact with, including whoever offended us, if we prayed for them. How would you change the world? Convict, dear God convict before we do something like Joab did convict before we do something on social media that we cannot take back before we spit out words of poison that cannot be erased I pray dear God that you would draw each of us to yourself convict us of our sin And show us the way back to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I know it's pretty heavy. Uh, If you haven't seen The Count of Monte Cristo, uh, I can't remember what it's rated. I saw bits and pieces on a YouTube video. You can uh, rent it on Amazon Prime. But it is an interesting story. But you see how the main character, Edmund, spent the majority of the movie imprisoned in a prison of hatred. May it not be so for you or I. So, would love to hear from you. Email address is encouragingothersandlovingjesus at gmail.com. We still have the Facebook group, Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. You can see that information in the show notes. And I would love for you to take just a minute or two on whichever podcast platform you listen and rate us. Like, I'm not going to tell you how. You, you rate whatever you feel is right and write comments. But also, if you feel like this is going to be helpful to somebody else, please share it. You know, this is a free podcast. It's not free for me to record, but it's free for you to listen to and free for you to share. Like, you could share it with a thousand people and it's not going to cost you anything except for a click or two. But how it might change the world of another. So... As we close out each week, remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day.